The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, I'm so glad to get to be here after the, the long delay. Uh, and it, I assumed it was just going to keep delaying, but I'm glad it did not. I want to tell you a story. Uh, those of you that have never heard me before, your, your, luck of, your run of good luck has now run out. That's fair enough. But... Um, I'm, I'm actually from another place entirely, as you can probably hear. I'm from uh, Nashville now. Um, that's, that has impacted me in a very powerful way, so it has. My mom, when I was a little boy, said, you're going to be our Shenike, and a Shenike is a storyteller. Uh, the one uh, among the Irish would be like a bard among the Welsh. Perhaps you've heard that word instead. But I love to tell stories because they illustrate things that we really need to hear. But the problem is when you tell the Jesus story, everybody's already heard it. So they leap to the end, make an application, and tune out. Don't do that. We're going to do a story today in John 2. And it's, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you Jesus is going to change water into wine. And it's the least impressive part of the story. The miracle in all the miracle stories is the least impressive part of the story. And I'll, the reason I say that is God can make a universe. I don't think he has problem flavoring water, and I don't think he has a problem remaking a person like Lazarus. So that's not it. And it's not like Jesus went around changing water to wine a lot. So why here? And what was he really doing? It's a very human story. I love the humanity in Scripture. In John chapter 1, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana at Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. All right, we're going to stop for a second here. This has already grabbed me a bit because there's a shift in language. Even to this day, when women go to a wedding, they're there. They are watching, making notations. There will be a quiz later. Men are also invited. <clears throat> we serve no function. Uh, even even the, the groom serves no function. He's got backup in case he goes wrong. You can just shift over and we're good. It is, it is all, I mean, he's made no decisions coming to this place. Uh, he has been, he has been, he's been, Treated like a three-year-old, acting like you're giving them a choice. Nod your head. You know, that's all it is. So there we go. They're, they're just there, all right? When the wine was gone, that's, that's a big jump, so that would indicate this is something important coming. Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. <clears throat> okay. For most of us, this is a mere information exchange. Um, there is no more wine. Had Jesus been a regular guy, not the creator of Guy 1.0, he would have just said, bummer, um, you know, tell Habib, how, tell Habib to bring the camel around. We're out of here, you know, because the party's done. Uh, you would just, we, only, we only go to weddings in case there's cake and maybe the wine and out. Well, but Mary is a woman and she doesn't think she just told him a fact. She thinks 
she told him something that needs to be solved by him. She didn't, but she thinks she did. So he goes, woman, and by the way, woman, um, that, don't do that to your wife. Woman. Um, it, this was considered a, like, milady or dear lady. It was, a, it was a nice thing back then, right? There's been a bit of a shift in language. So, dear lady, why do you involve me? I love that. It's kind of like, it's not my problem. I'm not getting married. I didn't plan the catering. Jesus said, my hour is not yet come. Je his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. <sighs> Let's review. <clears throat> she didn't ask him to fix it, but she thinks she did. He knows what she meant. So he says no, and she thinks he meant yes. Any men want to testify in the room the day? Only those whose wives are not present may be allowed to do so. It happens very frequently. Here's an illustration, perhaps. Um, this has never occurred, because I'm a shrink. I would know better. But let's say we're driving home, and my wife says to me, Patrick, she likes some ice cream. And I do a little internal audit. No, not really. Drive home. I'm in trouble. Now, I'm not allowed to know why. Uh, I just know she's doing things in the kitchen with a bit more enthusiasm than the occasion warrants. Um, and I, you, know, you, you lean in. Men learn this early. Protect your body. Just lean your head in the door. Everything okay, honey? Put your voice up high. Put your voice up high because that way she won't kill children. So you put your voice up high. And you, Is everything all right then? And she'll say, it's fine, everything's fine, what wouldn't be fine? And you know that means it's not fine. But you won't know. You won't know until one day you're laying in the nursing home and you open your eyes and her hand's hovering over the life support system plug and you say, why? And she goes, you didn't get me ice cream. Again, I love humanity in the stories. And we just skip over all of this. And you can almost see Jesus going, this is going to cause so much trouble in churches all over the place. But here we go. Good thing it wasn't in Arkansas. About half the count counties, it'd be illegal. To anyway, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Again, we don't get this. This is a bizarre statement. This is incredibly odd. It does not go with the flow of the story. It would be rather like you watching a movie and there's a car chase. And oh, it's good. They've, and you know good stuff's happening because they've already gone through the fruit stand. They've already almost hit the lady with the buggy and the baby. You know, all the things you have to have in a car chase, right? And then it just pops up on, the, on an African plane and you see meerkats. And they say, they say meerkats usually have litters of about this much. Once a, and you're going, What? because it has nothing to do with the car chase. These jars have nothing to do with wine at all. These jars were kept as far from the wine as possible. Jesus could have done a miracle restoring the wine and nobody knew it was him. If they'd had wine bags, just... Nobody knows. He's just over there looking around. Or amphorae, they just filled up the jars, just filled up. 
why are we going in the bathroom? You see, they had rituals. Do you remember one time uh, they got on Jesus because your disciples eat without washing their hands? Now, that probably wasn't a hygiene comment. They had this thing. You, you, you washed your hands, and as the water ran off the elbows, you said certain prayers. These were the sinks, right? Why are we talking about these? This is unclean water. This is bath water. Now you see why you don't run to the end? Because <laughs> something's going on here. Plus, these are rather large. 20 to 30 gallons. Six of them. Well, I've never been to a party that had lots of wine, but I'm thinking, that's a lot of wine. You can probably do the math here. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Again, <clears throat> you never fill these to the brim at all. And Jesus didn't say fill them to the brim, but they did. Why? I, I can give you a possible explanation, and it has to do with Mary. We're, we're entering Advent now, and those of you that say, oh, no, don't mention Christmas before Thanksgiving, I cannot help people who like turkey more than the baby Jesus. I'm just, I can't. <clears throat> the cross is of none effect for you. My, I grew up not being allowed to celebrate Christmas because my dad was certain it was a Catholic plot. I'm not making that up. My wife's people invented it. Oh, dear. They, uh, they start in June. You know, it, it is an amazing thing. So she's had to teach me this. And I'll, I, I, I'm in love with Christmas, but that's not what this is. When you see Mary in Christmas, she, you, she's always like this. Head tilted like photographers when she do. No human does that. She's either holding the baby, which the painting would then be a Madonna, or the dying Jesus, La Pieta, but still, right there. Uh, she's white, rather startling for a first century Jewish woman, but she's white, and she's wearing this, this kind of a, a baby bluish thing with a white headband, right, under it, and she glows. Uh, she's glowing like a dollar store nightlight, so she is. And easy to pick out of a crowd. Now, here's the thing. If you read a little bit about Mary's life in Scripture, and, and there only is a little bit there, you find that her own sons didn't believe the story of the virgin birth. They didn't believe the stories. Joseph is away. We don't, he disappears sometime after Jesus' 12th year. He could have died. He could have decided, I just can't deal with the, the comments. And the number of times Jesus is standing there and people come up to them and say, we know who our father is. How many times did Jesus have to do that? Women would not have wanted to hang around Mary. She would have had to haul her own water. She would have had to have washed her own clothes. Her social circles would have been very small because they would have looked upon her as a fallen woman. Her life was hard. She would have been wrinkled and have some calloused hands. And I imagine when he said, fill these with water, that she's behind him going, and it's getting done. She's tough. Make her a real person. Don't let these people be cartoons. These are real people. And he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. I got to tell you something. <clears throat> In every Jesus story, 
there's a moment where I have to stop and ask myself if I'd have done it. The answer is almost always no. No, I wouldn't have. Like the feeding of the 5,000 thing, that's a hilarious story. We just don't get that story because we're not aware Jesus is a hoot. Uh, he's preaching, about 5,000 people there. That means just a lot. Nobody counted. Jewish people use numbers in different ways. Don't try to make them mathematicians for this. This is their culture. A lot of people. And Jesus keeps preaching, and, and some of them get a little woozy from lack of food, uh, so, so don't complain. Um, and the apostles come up to Jesus and basically say, you might want to wrap it up. <laughs> I love that. Going up to God, you're, you're going on a bit. Um, make your point, three points in a poem. Come on. You know, the, the restaurants are opening, the Baptists are on the way. We, we really got to move, right? So... Jesus looks at him and goes, oh, get him something to eat. That's funny. That is funny. And I don't understand why we don't laugh when we read scripture. Well, I do. It's because the Scottish people took all the joy out of it and you decided that's a good model. And so you did it as well. Sorry, sorry, our bad. It really was. It was our bad. Um, anyway, don't, never listen to a nation of people, of men who, who are wearing these will, we kilty things and playing music that sounds like someone slowing, slowly backing over a cat. Do, do not take from them tips on what is joyful, all right? Jesus turns to 12 unemployed guys and says, oh, get him something to eat. Well, the Bible says that they, they brought him, they found a boy whose mama had packed a lunch. And I've seen the painting where the little boy's offering his meal to Jesus. No way. No, uh-uh. It, it would never have happened. The Bible doesn't say that. It says they brought the boy that had the food. They didn't even bring the food. They brought the boy. Why? He's wrapped around it at this point. Just, this is his mama's Tupperware, and this is his lunch. He's in big trouble if this goes anywhere. And now Jesus' posse is just sat around going, we're going to need that. Jesus then looks at that, looks at the apostles and says, line everybody up. Would you have lined them up? Come on. Not me. I would have created a diversion. Oh, look, Elvis. I would have done something and gotten out of there. The, we, we sometimes make fun of the apostles because they're a bit slow. They're a lot faster than we would be. They didn't get to go to vacation Bible school, and they didn't get to do all the, 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 the little cutouts and learn the wee songs in Sunday school. This was all very new and very terrifying. Would you have done this? They did. I don't understand why. I really don't. I don't know if Mary was poking him with a stick. I don't know. Because this is your livelihood. You are breaking law. Jewish law. This is unclean. You're not, you're not allowed to, to drink anything out of these. Ever. This is set aside. I've, I've been in people's homes before. When a toddler walk over, hand me a little plastic cup of water he got for me. I'm saying, thank you, son. And they're toddling away, and I'm thinking, what can they reach? The answer is nothing good. Going to water a plastic plant over here. You know, I'm going to do something. They take it. The master of the banquet tastes the water, and you know the caterers are sweating. This is their entire livelihood. It's not like, oh, we'll set up business in another town. You didn't have that kind of freedom of movement. 
And here's a line um, John didn't need to write. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I already knew he didn't know where it came from because he tasted it. it uh, God and I have discussions about things like this. John said there wasn't enough paper to write all the things Jesus wrote. And I said, well, you could edit. We don't need this one. Take that sentence out. We could edit down, let's be honest, Second Chronicles, Ezekiel, you know, when was the last time? You know, Lamentations, we already have Jeremiah. Do we really need Jeremiah 2, the sequel? You know, let's, can we, can we find, and yet, God likes the mystery. <laughs> he didn't realize where it come from, though the servants, he called the bridegroom aside. Oh, dear me, the, bri- the, the servants are banging their heads down thinking they got to find a way to commit suicide, and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. No, no. I, a, a wee word um, for those of you that are still a bit concerned about this, this, this story because uh, I, I grew up, um, a, a good Irish friend of mine wrote a whole book on why this couldn't have been anything but grape juice. No, no. Try to substitute. Everybody brings out the best grape juice first. And then when everybody's been thoroughly graped. (laughs) Now, am I endorsing alcoholism? Of course not. I'm not endorsing drunkenness. But neither am I saying that this is, we got to find gymnastics and lie about history to make this something other than it is. But the next thing, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I'm going to suggest to you something here that that wasn't revealing his glory wasn't done by the miracle it was done by intentionally looking over at all of the laws and the rules and the detritus that we pile on top of anything that wants to live and he turned it into something of joy and walked away and then as he stands on the Sermon on the Mount He says repeatedly, you've heard it said. And he quotes the Old Testament, and he goes, but I say to you. And I've had had people almost faint and run up at me afterwards going, no, no, he was trying to do the heart of the old law. And I'm going, have you read Jesus? He was sweeping that aside saying, I'm going to bring you something harder. Drop all of that and love one another. That will keep you busy. Come on, we always like the easy stuff. We'll, we'll fight over baptism. We'll fight over what songs God likes as if, he, as if he's told us. And I wish he had. I really do. I, I wish God had written a book, O Worship. Uh, here are the songs I like in a tempo. Clapping, no clapping. I, I live in Nashville. Somebody, oh, I live outside now. But she, they, I've had people say, what's Nashville like, Patrick? And I'll say, Nashville is 800,000 white people who clap on one and three. They don't know how to clap. They just don't. It's horrid going to a concert and you're going around and no. You know, but anyway, um, I don't do that anymore because people keep calling ice um, and it's, you know. Um, actually, actually, I, I, was, I was born in this country. My dad had come across to fight in the Korean War, so I was born here. I'm a citizen. <laughs> I, I, went, um, I wanted to become a citizen in a more traditional way. I wanted to be adopted by Angelina Jolie, but I'm not, I'm not allowed to write her anymore. So 
I'm just going to take it as I am. Now, I've, this whole thing, did the apostles get it? Yeah. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 in the afternoon. Don't know why we needed to know that one, but now we know. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. You, we always leap to the miracle, don't do that. I want you to ache and hurt with this man for a while. I want you to carry this guy around in your heart for a while. This man, lame, his entire life is to be sat out there by friends and family for him to beg enough on the steps to earn his keep. He, he will never be allowed in the temple because the lame, those with, with visible physical uh, disfigurements or any lameness were never allowed in the temple. You were, you were banned by those, all those laws. He probably got tired of even trying to make eye contact, don't you think? You ever lived around people that were in an area that had a large homeless population? We spent 10 years in Detroit. Um, we would go out and we would home cook meals, the whole church, we had a big church, over 1,200 there, and they would home cook meals and we'd deliver them in these big old trailers. We'd have a grill set up and we'd go into the worst part of Detroit, at that time, Cass Park. It has now been um, a little gentrified and the homeless had to move over to Highland Park, but it was Cass Park at the time. And we'd go out early and double bag our hands to pick up the needles and crack vials and such and throw those away and that's a, that's a humbling time to do that. And then we'd be cooking, and the homeless people would come. And I can remember one time a, a reporter came, started taking pictures and the like, and I went over, and I said, don't, don't take pictures of these people. They're not zoo animals. Let's not do that. But he didn't go away. Uh, later, I saw the article in the Detroit News. Um, it took up half of a page. And he'd taken a picture of me praying with a guy by a tree. And, you know, I'm not in charge of everything, so all right, fair enough. But why I'm bringing it up is because he asked a couple of them, said, what does this mean to you? And one of them said, we have a lot of people come out here and give us food. But this is the only group of people who look us in the eye and know our names. And I went, okay, I was wrong. That needed to be in the paper. Uh, people need to know you, we, we, they, they have names there's a reason they're there I took, took a, a, a man with me once from way out of state who wanted to see and as you're going back he said do they ever get better and leave he said you act like you know, you know all these people and I said I do I've been working with them for years and he goes well then what good are we are, what good are you doing I said um they were hungry a few minutes ago and they're not now. And they didn't have a coat and they do now. And he goes, but, yeah, I know that, but aren't, when will they ever become not homeless? I'm saying, no, this is, this is all they're capable of. And so we help them where they are. And it was such a hard thing for him. This beggar is there and I wonder if he's, he's like um, Richard or, Maisie or some of the ones I still think of and every time there's a cold snap up there my friends will tell me we've looked after them we've got them and it, that makes me feel better 
he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. What happened to Peter? Because Peter didn't see anything or think anything most of the time, did he? He just blindly charged through life. But being with Jesus, he had learned a few things. Stop. Look at him in the eye. And then Peter said, look at us, because the man's downcast. No, nobody. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, don't get excited here or discard this by saying, yeah, but we can't do that. Hold on. The miracle is the least important part of this story. Taking him by the right hand, and Peter would have had those fisherman muscles. He helped him up, and instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple, walking and jumping and praising God. Our job is to bring the people into the temple. Our job is to see the people nobody else is looking at. Read the Gospels. Jesus spends a great amount of his time rescuing women that had been thrown away by society. The Samaritan woman. The woman in Luke 7 who breaks from the wall. She's, she is very plainly a sex worker and evidently she has no other option because Jesus doesn't tell her to stop. He just says, I forgive you. Those that have no power, those are, that's who he reaches. Even, and guys too, even that wonderful wee story of the guys who have a, a friend and they want Jesus to do something with them, but the church is full, it's house. So they decide to dismantle the roof. You know that story? I would have loved to have seen that decision tree because how do you go from, well, it's crowded to, we're taking this apart. But they did. And, it, and Jesus is, is having church. And, and you, know, you know that there's some people in there going, oh, I don't approve of this. <clears throat> I knew this would start when we started clapping. It's, it's, I mean, that's a straight line clapping to people being lured from roofs. It's proven. Don't argue science. So it all comes down. Jesus looks at him and goes, your sins are forgiven. It's his first instinct. Bring him in the temple. First instinct. The woman caught in adultery. I don't condemn you either. The woman in, seven, in Luke 7. Your sins are forgiven. It's what he does. Got to check the time here. Normally I have people waving at me, doing this throat sort of, you know, and waving guns about. Um, tickled myself there. I didn't know I was going to say that. I, my, my wife says I should think about what I say before I say it, but I like to hear it when you do. You know, it's, um, it's a shared experience, so it is. We, were, we had taken some friends up to Inverness, which is the capital of the Highlands of Scotland, and uh, we'd rented a, a minivan for the purpose since we had a, a larger group, and I pulled over to the, the pavement, which you'd call a sidewalk, and uh, 
open up my door because this is the door the driver opens over there. That's why, in case you're wondering, something seems off there. So open up the door, and I almost, I didn't, it was all me. I almost knocked into a, a woman who was on the pavement. She had to kind of bounce around the way. And before I could say, oh, I'm so sorry, and before I could get a breath, she goes, Jesus loves you, and kept walking. And I'm going, because that's not what I was expecting. It's frozen at that point. And I, I got out, I, I wanted to chase her and go, I, I work for him. I have thought about that woman for the last 30 years thinking it was her first instinct. The first her go-to was Jesus loves you. And that's not in my top 20 when about to get hit by something. I need to change. Jesus' first instinct is to bring you into the temple. And here's the good news. By throwing away those ceremonial washing jars and all the laws that that represents by throwing away the restriction for the beggar to come inside or for a sex worker to receive a blessing from God, throwing away all of that stuff. Then he looks at you and he goes, now you're the temple. Get out there and bring them into your life. Love them, forgive them. Let them know God forgives them. Let them know that's our evangelism. Love them till they ask you why, and then you can smile and speak of the temple of God that they have been allowed to enter and that now they can become for others. We don't have to bow toward Jerusalem. We don't have to make a hajj toward Jerusalem, and I'm not making any fun of our Muslim friends, and I do have many Muslim friends. I'm not making fun of them, but we don't have to do that. And whenever one of my friends asks me why, I'll say, because here's the temple. The temple has been loosed, and it has been sent. What do you need from God? What do you need today? What's the best thing I can do for you right now? We can forgive. I know people say, only God can forgive. Yeah, but he also said, because he's God, he says, if you go out and forgive their sins, they're forgiven. Missed that passage? He did. So let's go forgive. Let's go love. Let's sit down and eat with the sinners. Because we're sinners too. Don't bring that up. Maintain your superiority. <clears throat> I hope you know that that's not. God reached out to somebody who reached out to somebody who got to you. Why don't you join the chain? Would you bring the worship team back up, please, by the way? Loose them, let them. Why don't you join the chain of God's work from the water to wine miracle, an unbroken chain, to right here in Edmond, Oklahoma? Because somebody touched somebody who touched somebody. Yeah, COVID's contagious, but so is love. We have to find a way to exercise our beauty and our joy and be the temple of God. And if there is anything, when I go around working with churches, one of the things I ask, where's your organizational chart? We need to eliminate two-thirds of it. Did you see the movie Ford versus Ferrari? That was a big fight, wasn't it? Whenever they're saying, we can make this, Shelby was saying, 
we can make this, but you've got four levels of bureaucracy holding the same folder. Mr. Ford did not listen to him, and he almost destroyed the company. In churches, it's the same. Don't ask permission to do something good. Do it. And if anybody tells you it needs to fit in a chart, smile at them. They need forgiveness from God. Good thing you're here. Do not let the chain of love stop with you. See them. Smile at them. And bring them in. God bless all of you.